Today's reading will be from Romans 6, 15 to 23. On the Pew Bibles, it's page 1,199. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were once slaves of sin, you were in free, rega- free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time? For the things of which you are now ashamed. For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks, Alison. Good job. I encourage you to uh, keep that passage open as we come and look at it together now. And let's pray and ask God for his help. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and all that it reveals to us about what Jesus has done for us and how we are to respond by living for you. And we ask that you would give us understanding now, and Lord, that you would help us to put into practice the things that we hear. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You may like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeedy, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Now, my voice is definitely not as good as Bob Dylan's, but you might recognise those words. Bob Dylan sang them in 1979, and they're true. In fact, that's what Paul's getting at here in Romans 5. It doesn't matter who you are, you're going to have to serve somebody. But the question is who? Who will you serve? Will you serve sin, leading to shame and death? Or will you serve the Lord in righteousness that leads to holiness and eternal life? You know, over the last few months, we've been working our way through the book of Romans. We've seen how all of us have sinned. All of us deserve God's judgment. But we've also seen how through faith in Jesus, we can be made right with God. 
We can have peace with God. We can stand in his grace. We've seen over and over again that we're not right with God through what we do. It's only through his grace. His grace that's more than our sin. Last week we saw Paul start to deal with some objections to this kind of grace. We saw crystal clear that grace doesn't give us a license to just sin it up. Through faith, we're united with Christ. We've died to sin and we live for God. And because of that, we should be true to our new self by considering ourselves truly, going zero tolerance against sin and offering ourselves to God daily. That's what we saw last week. We do all of this through God's grace. Remember, that's where Paul landed last week in verse 14. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. We're not under the power of sin anymore, because we are under law, not grace. We are under grace, not law. Get the wrong way around. But this raises another objection for us, right? Verse 15, what then are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Paul raises the question, does grace mean that we can ignore God's commands? Does it mean that we can just do whatever we want? No consequences. Paul is emphatic. No way. That kind of thinking is deadly for Christians. It doesn't fit with who we are in Jesus. Paul knows it. So why should we bother to listen to God's commands? Why should we bother with this difficult, messy, painful process of dealing with sin in our lives? Why should we bother living for God if we're under grace? Well, it's because we're all going to serve somebody. And the question is who? Paul lays out for us two choices. We're going to see him lay out two ways to slave, two spirals to choose, and two destinies to face. So let's get into it. Paul starts with two ways to slave. Verse 16. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. You know, we like to think that we are free people. We're not slaves to anyone. We can choose whatever we want. But Paul blows that up. We're not free. Actually, all of us are slaves. And the way we live shows who our master really is. Now, we have to be a little careful with the word slave here. For, you, for us, this word has so much baggage. We think of the British slave trade in the West Indies or chained slaves on plantations in the American South. Now, ancient slavery could be like that, but it wasn't always. Oftentimes, people would sell themselves into slavery if they were in debt, and you could earn and work towards buying yourself out. If you had a good master, you could be treated quite well. Often slaves were educated by their masters. Sometimes they were even adopted. But at its heart, Roman slavery was all about absolute obedience to your master. See, Paul's writing to a church that knows slavery. 
About a third of Rome's population at that time were slaves. Many freemen in the church had once been slaves. And so the Roman church was keenly aware of what Paul's just raised. Imagine you're standing in church hearing this letter read and you're standing next to your master or next to your slave. Paul's got their attention. And he should have ours too. You see, the reality is that we are all slaves to whatever it is that we obey. Whatever it is that we seek value or purpose or identity in. Maybe you're a slave to your work. Unable to leave the job behind you. Taking the office at home every night in slavish obedience. Maybe you're a slave to possessions, always needing the next best thing. Constantly dreaming about what you don't have and forgetting what you do. Maybe you're a slave to your habits or a slave to your temper. Whatever we obey, we are slaves too. When you boil it down, there are only two ways to slave. Paul says we're either slaves to sin that leads to death or slaves to obedience that leads to righteousness. There's no wiggle room Paul's left for us here. No middle ground, no grey area. All humanity is either a slave to sin or a slave to obedience. We know from Romans so far that without Jesus, every person who has ever lived falls into the first category. We might like to think that we're free, but we're not. Without Jesus, we are slaves to sin and we show it by living in obedience to our own sinful desires. But if we're united with Christ, joined with him in his death and resurrection, as we saw last week, then we're set free from slavery to sin. Now, that doesn't mean we're free, free, untethered with no allegiance or obedience. We're set free to be slaves to Christ. As Paul puts it, to obedience that leads to righteousness. You see, instead of bondage, This slavery brings true freedom, the obedience that comes from faith. Uh, Let's imagine a dog for a moment to help us understand this. Let's call him Fido, because I'm not good at original names. And uh, Fido's in a terrible home. His master kicks him and yells at him. He's not loved or cared for. It's a terrible place to be. Fido longs for freedom. So imagine he runs away. He ends up roaming the streets, getting in fights, eating garbage, no safe place to sleep. Is Fido free? No. Real freedom would be a place to belong. A family who loves him deeply. Who plays fetch in the backyard, who takes him on long walks, who lets him curl up on the couch and sleep on the bed. That's real freedom. Freedom to belong, freedom to be who he's meant to be, freedom to love and play and enjoy life. And it's the same for us. See, real freedom isn't having no master at all. That's impossible. Human beings don't operate that way. We're not designed to. You're going to have to serve somebody. But being slaves to Christ brings us true freedom. 
Obedience frees us to belong. It frees us who we're meant to be in relationship with our loving Father, living the way he designed us, free to love and play and laugh and enjoy what he's given us. Obedience to God, slavery to God, is becoming all we're meant to be. That's what God has done in our lives through Jesus. Look in verse 17. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. See, God has graciously set us free from slavery to sin to live a life of obedience to the Lord Jesus. Obeying from the heart the standard of teaching that we've been committed to. What is that standard of teaching? It's the gospel. The good news that Paul's been teaching of justification by faith through the one act of Jesus' obedience. The good news that Jesus Christ is Lord. The good news that calls us to the obedience of faith. And God's work by his Holy Spirit is to change us from the inside out. To produce the willing obedience that flows from a transformed heart. That's a willing, desiring, choosing heart of who we are. God changes that and it flows out into every part of our lives. See, rules and laws might be able to produce an outward appearance of righteousness. But only God can change our hearts. And from there, it changes everything about us. Changes our thinking and behaviour. We start to live differently to those around us. We stand out like light in the darkness. That's the slavery that Paul's holding out to us. A heartfelt obedience to Christ and his word. An obedience that brings true freedom. You've got to serve somebody. Who will it be? Paul shifts gears from two ways to slave to two spirals to choose. Paul calls us to make a choice, and he does so by laying before us the consequences, the results, the spirals that each choice leads to. Look in verse 19. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. See, two spirals to choose from there. One is a downward spiral of ever-increasing impurity and lawlessness that leads to more lawlessness. Remember, we saw this back in Romans 1. The downward spiral of sin away from God and into more and more depravity. Maybe you've seen this in people's lives around you where a little sin isn't enough and driven by desire, people get in deeper and deeper and deeper until they're buried. Their lives are a mess. They can't get out. It's like the person who grows more and more bitter every day, finding fault in everything and everyone, grumbling over nothing and everything. Their lives at the end, a sad story of what could have been and lost hope. Slavery to sin ultimately leads to death. But slavery to righteousness is the opposite. See what Paul says there. 
It's an upward spiral towards sanctification, towards holiness. I hope you've seen this too. Someone who's experienced transformation in their lives. Someone who's daily turning away from former sinful ways and committing themselves to God. Someone who's growing more and more like Jesus because of what he's done in their lives. They're kind, they forgive, they're gentle and loving, they reflect the grace of their saviour. They even hope in suffering. At the end, those are the best funerals to be at, right? People recall with tears of joy the life of a man who let himself be loved by Jesus or the life of a woman who let herself be changed by Jesus. Their progress might not be radical, instant change from one day to the next. Everyone has bad days. Everyone struggles, but by the work of the Spirit in their lives, they repent and they keep turning away from sin and they keep steadily over years becoming more and more like Jesus. So Paul calls us to choose righteousness. He says here, present your members as slaves to righteousness. Why? Because of what God has done. Because of who you are now. If we trust in Jesus, if we've encountered his grace and mercy, we've been united with him. And so, as he said, we should live true to our new self. Last week we saw that looks like considering ourselves truly, going zero tolerance against sin, offering ourselves daily to God's will. At this command, Paul gives in this verse, present your members as slaves to righteousness. It wraps all of those up into one. Because of all that Jesus has done, because he set us free from slavery to sin, present your members, every part of your bodies and lives as slaves to righteousness. See, Paul knows that the journey's hard. He knows that following Jesus isn't something we can do on our own. We need the Holy Spirit at work in us. And sometimes it feels like two steps forward, one step back, right? But Paul reminds us that if we've been united with Christ, we are not who we used to be. Although sometimes life falls in a heap, sometimes we can be so discouraged to look back at the last week or yesterday or even this morning But if we are slaves to righteousness, the spiral to holiness, to sanctification, it goes upwards. Weeks ago, I don't know if you remember, we imagined having a recording of everything we've said and done. All the words we've said, everything we meant over the past week or month or year or decade. We imagine the shame of having that played to everyone who we know. But for the believer, our lives look like a different recording. God has a different view. He watches our life play out, seeing the whole picture. He sees us like we look back on the old home videos of the kids growing up. There you are in the womb, fearfully and wonderfully made, chosen and loved in him before the foundation of the world. Born into a broken world so little back then. Reborn into his kingdom just as he planned. And there's rejoicing before the angels in heaven. 
He watches as we get it right and sometimes get it wrong, cheering us on, changing us by his spirit, transforming us by his sacred and searing love. And at the end of our lives, seeing who we've become, who who he has made us to be, entering his presence, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Through the work of his spirit in our lives, We are not who we once were. We've spiralled upwards more and more like our big brother Jesus. If we are united to Jesus, living as slaves to righteousness, the trend is upwards. Now, sometimes it can be a pretty jagged line, right? I think oftentimes we hope that growing to be more like Jesus looks like this. Steady upwards trend every day. Wouldn't that be nice? Just steadily, day to day, growing to be more like Jesus. But the reality of the Christian life is often growing to be more like Jesus looks more like this. We are growing to be more like Jesus, but it's a pretty jagged line. Sometimes it falls further than we'd like. Sometimes it soars, rising to heights we'd never expect. But be encouraged because of the hope we have in Jesus. Because God is working in our lives If we are united with Christ, the trend is upwards. So present your members as slaves to righteousness. Paul wants us to remember the end goal, holiness, being sanctified until we're called home and glorified. And it's that end goal where Paul goes next. It's not just two spirals, it's the end result. It's two destinies we have to face. Look in verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and to its end, eternal life. See, Paul wants us to see clearly the consequences of who we choose to serve. What did our slavery to sin bring? It brings shame in the present and death in the end. Eternal death under God's judgment. But being slaves to God means sanctification now and eternal life in the end. Notice how Paul talks about freedom here. There's a false freedom that comes from being a slave to sin. Freedom from righteousness, Paul says. That's like Fido roaming aimlessly on the streets, eating from rubbish bins. Paul's turning our cultural idea of freedom on its head. Freedom is an endless choice. It's not the ability to do whatever I want. It's about purpose, not potential. Imagine a fish in a fishbowl. It swims around in freedom. True freedom is not being taken out of the fishbowl to live in the air, free to do whatever he wants. Freedom is life in the ocean, in the environment the fish belongs in. When we live as slaves to sin, we're like fish out of water. It's not real freedom. It's freedom from righteousness, and it leads to shame. Sin takes that beautiful thing that God made and corrupts and distorts it. That's the deception of sin. It promises freedom. It promises so much, but it only delivers shame and addiction. 
let's take sex as an example. God's good design and purpose for it is for it to be enjoyed between a husband and wife in marriage, for procreation and pleasure, pointing us to the love, life and intimacy of being united with Jesus and at one with God. But sin subverts sex. It perverts and pollutes it. Promiscuous sex porn, it promises intimacy and fulfilment, but it only delivers shame. We could say that porn kills intimacy. Porn kills love. Porn kills. But the love of Jesus kills porn. You could apply that to other addictions too. Greed, it kills generosity. It kills joy. Greed kills us. But the love of Jesus, if you let him, will kill your greed. Alcohol addiction, gaming, gambling, grumbling, gossiping, work without rest, reputation without integrity, fantasizing over who you're not with rather than loving those you are with. All those things promise much, but they lead to shame and to death. But in Jesus, we have something better. That's what Paul's showing us. He is pulling back the curtain on sin to show us it is not something to mess with, not something to play with. Sin leads to shame and death. Why would we go back to that if we've been set free? Why would we choose slavery to sin over slavery to God? Paul wants us, he wants you and I to see that this is a no-brainer. He wants us to embrace our slavery to obedience in Christ. You're going to have to serve somebody, but if you serve Christ, it leads to real life, eternal life with him. Verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Sin gets you what you deserve, death. But trusting in Jesus means receiving the free gift of eternal life, the gift we could never deserve. That's what slavery to God means. This week, you are going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted to lie or to be selfish, to be greedy, tempted to look at things that you shouldn't, tempted to say things that you know will hurt, tempted to live out your sinful desires. Don't give in. Don't act as a slave to sin. Don't be tricked by the deceitfulness of sin. Remember those spirals. Remember that you've been set free. United with Christ, you're no longer under the power of sin. So present yourself as a slave to righteousness, a slave to God. When you need help to do that, run to Jesus. He is our gracious and merciful saviour. In him we find help in our need. We find true service, true freedom. We find true life. You've got to serve somebody. Let it be Jesus, our gracious King. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that in your great grace, you have set us free from slavery to death, to live as slaves to you. Lord, thank you that that's not 
That is true freedom. Freedom to live as you have made us to live, to belong and to enjoy and to live and to love. Heavenly Father, this week, when we are tempted to sin, remind us of the lie of sin. Remind us of the ultimate result of sin. And may we, instead of presenting our members to sin, present ourselves to you in righteousness. Thank you for your mercy and grace to us in those times when we fall short of this. And for your love for us, that if we trust in Jesus, you are working in us by your spirit to do this sanctifying work. So we might be holy before you. We ask that you would do this work in us. In Jesus' name. Amen.